it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with CP3. Today, Tuesday, February 4th, 2020. It is late Tuesday night. Um, just had a little men's league game, so I had to put the pod off a little longer today. But it's our first post-Super Bowl podcast. It's a good thing we did put it off because Mookie Betts just got traded to the Dodgers. And y'all know who I got to bring in to uh, talk about a little baseball with me. None other than Bid Bolton. Bid, say what's up to the people. What's up? What's up? Good to be back. Hey, we're glad to have you back on, Bid. Um, got lots of good stuff to talk about for y'all. But, you know, we just had the Super Bowl. So let's go ahead and start things off there. You know, it was a great game, but... Bid, what do you think about the game? Well, first and foremost, I uh, just want to pour one out for Nick Bosa. Poor guy will not be able to make his White House visit that I know he was looking forward to. Um, also want to congratulate Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches of all time, finally gets his Super Bowl. Probably should have gotten one in Philly. I don't know if you blame him or blame McNabb for that one, but it's good to see him finally win it. Uh the Kyle Shanahan jokes write themselves, so I'm just going to avoid those for now. Um, <laughs> but good for Patrick Mahomes, too. Uh, it's great to see, in my opinion, the best quarterback in football out there on the big stage winning the Super Bowl. Always good to see. I think it's good for the game. I think it's good for Mahomes. I think it's good for everybody watching him do that. And I'm getting a little distracted now trying not to watch the Kobe tribute. I'm about to turn around. They just flashed up to the – Bryant and the Raptors in the Lakers game and uh the fact that I've been talking this long I'm kind of worried that the Skype's gonna cut out again so I'm gonna stop (laughs) um you know I'm not gonna lie the Super Bowl was great for me did pretty well my bets and everything unfortunately I did have Patrick Mahone's rush yards and y'all know how bad of a beat that was with the way that he decided to (laughs) knee off the clock but look all in all my takeaways were we'll see these teams again for sure I honestly really do think Kansas City might have one of the best teams of all time. You know, they've never before in an NFL season has a team come back from trailing by 10-plus points in one in the fourth quarter three times, except for Kansas City. I mean, not in the fourth quarter, but being down 10 or more points throughout a game and coming back and winning. Kansas City did it three times in a row, though. No team has ever done that, and only two teams have done it in the last 30 years and been able to come back and win. So, I mean, that's crazy enough right there, as is, I mean, Patrick Mahomes played a hell of a game. I think this guy's going to go down as the best to ever play the position. I really, really do. And I think he, I mean, Andy Reid, I just love seeing him get the Super Bowl. But, you know, as much as people want to make fun of Kyle Shanahan, like you said, and everything, I really don't think he coached that bad of a game. I mean, you give George Kittle that catch when the, right before halftime, it's a completely different game. And Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't overthrow Emmanuel Sanders, you know. It's a completely different game. Yeah. I thought really, though, Jimmy that those G, two, those two things really in his own self changed the entire game. For San Francisco, I mean, what did you think was the turning point? I mean, I definitely think Jimmy G deserves as much of the blame as Kyle Shanahan. But at the same time, Shanahan, I think the turning point of the game really was right before halftime when Shanahan decided to play conservative for once and not go for it. I think it kind of showed he was kind of lacking confidence a little bit in Jimmy G. And probably rightfully so, if you look at what Jimmy G did in the second half. I do think he's a good quarterback, but he was asked to throw a lot more this game than he has throughout the rest of the playoffs. So it's kind of kind of split the blame there. But I think that's where the game really started to turn, because you could kind of feel that going into the locker room there, that you could kind of tell the Chiefs were going to come out hot. So I was kind of disappointed. Uh, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't go for it at the end of the half there. 
Yeah, you know, I really thought that it was like it for like honestly, if it wasn't the Super Bowl, I think Shanahan would have gone for it on the first drive when they kicked that field goal to get on the board. But honestly, I thought Kansas City's defense played the game they needed to. You know, they came up with the plays that they need to, and Mahomes made the plays when they needed to. I heard a lot of people saying that Mahomes underthrew Hill on that ball. I think Mahomes just threw it up there to make sure Hill could catch it. You know, he didn't want to risk making any kind of mistakes. Honestly. Mahomes played awful for the first three quarters. Those are some of the three worst yeah. quarters I've seen Mahomes probably play all season with both those interceptions. But you know what? He didn't let it get him down. He kept coming back play after play after play, making the plays they needed to. He really got it done, too, on the ground with his legs and transformed that run game. But how about Damian Williams? That was the best game he had all season. He came out there and put that the team awesome. on his back. I mean, this Kansas City team was resilient, and it seemed like any time they needed to find something, they made it happen. And, you know, like you said earlier, Andy Reid – probably one of the all-time great coaches now. You know, this guy was basically unbeatable off a of bye. He just couldn't get over the hump, and he finally did. I mean, him and Mahomes is an absolutely unfair combo, and I love seeing it for him. Love seeing Tyron Matthew. You know, did you did you even really, like, oh, yeah. remember before, like, up until, like, obviously this game week, how, like, down in the dumps, like, how, like, off the, tr- the, off the train track, basically, that Tyron Matthew's life went? I didn't even really – I didn't even know that much about it because – I'd never heard of him until he was the honey badger at LSU when that first popped up. And apparently these troubles started before that. And I honestly, I'm chalking this up to ignorance on my part. I had no idea. I knew he had gone through some stuff. I didn't know just to what extent that was and how bad it would have affected him. So to see how far he's come to be able to be where he is today, win a Super Bowl, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize either that he had gone off the track that far. I mean, I vaguely even remembered, honestly, him getting kicked out of LSU and everything and him failing all those drug tests. You know, he said that when he went to jail and the inmates were disappointed in him, that was when he knew his life went off track. So it was awesome to see him get back on track. But honestly, you know, that was one of the best Super Bowls I've watched. And, you know, I really don't blame Shanahan at all. I thought he made the right play calls. I thought he was smart to switch it up and pass the ball a little bit. I don't think if that he could go back that he would do anything differently. I mean, realistically, it's just those two rough breaks. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I saw a stat. Garoppolo, when he was under pressure, he was 2 of 10 passing for 20 yards and two interceptions. Oof. I mean, that just ain't it if you're Jimmy G. I mean, I think Jimmy G's a great quarterback, but I don't know if he's quite ready for the moment. Yeah, and I think he's... I think he's good, not great. Uh, I was a little shocked that he wasn't ready for the moment, as you put it, though, because coming out of New England, it feels like he's, even though he wasn't the one that was actually being put in the spotlight and put under the pressure there, I feel like being around that organization, being around Tom Brady, having Bill Belichick and Tom Brady basically be the two guys mentoring you and coaching you up, I kind of figured that he would be in for a big game. Looked pretty good in the first half, but it wasn't really. He just kind of fell off a little bit. And I, I think he's good, not great. I'd, I'd put him probably as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, not top five. Um, so the Chiefs had a clear advantage there with Mahomes. But Jimmy G, I, I was honest, I was a little disappointed that that second half performance. I really thought that uh, if he had been able – and maybe that does mean maybe that does stem back to that play at the end of the second uh, end of the first half when they didn't go for it and they opted to just take uh take it into the um, I keep on getting distracted watching TV I'm about to turn this off <laughs> but they decided to go to the locker room at halftime and they didn't go for it there 
And that's something that I think might have messed with Jimmy G's head a little bit where he maybe realized, hey, I don't think Coach Shanahan has as much confidence in me whether or not that's what Shanahan was doing there. I think that may have gotten in Jimmy G's head a little bit, um, but I don't know. And to your point about Shanahan, I heard uh, one quote earlier. I can't remember who made it, but it was it pretty much summed all this up for me. You can make fun of them all you want. You can call them a choke artist all you want. At the end of the day, at least 75% of NFL GMs would take him over their current head coach. That's a fact. So... Shoot, I think it might even be more than that than take him over their head coach. But let's keep things moving a little bit here. And we have the um, NBA trade deadline quickly approaching us on Thursday. And there's been a lot of names shuffling around, floating around here of who could be traded. And I'm just going to go ahead and kind of start things off here with us on this. Um, You know, I really think the biggest name that's available on the market right now is probably between three players. It's Andre Drummond. Marcus Morris and Drew Holiday. So the first thing I'm going to say for Drew Holiday is I think that teams like the Heat, the Nuggets, and probably even even the 76ers should be in on trading for him. The thing is, though, he's still got this year and two more years left on his deal. And if I'm the Pelicans, I don't really know if I want to trade him. If I'm them, I'm not like desperate to trade him. But if one of these teams want to come out like the Nuggets or somebody like that, you know, and offer you Michael Porter Jr. I mean, I'm doing that one in a heartbeat, but I doubt they will. Um, Or like, let's say the Heat want to give you either Hero or a combination of none, some draft picks and something like that for him. I would definitely consider, I mean, if it's Hero straight up, I would definitely do that. Or I mean, even if like a team like the Lakers want to trade for him, I need at least Kuzma before we start talking. But I mean, I don't really know if I want to do deal with them, but I mean, I need a lot in return to trade Drew Holiday here. I mean, I'd say he's definitely the best option on the market here. What do you What do you think about Holiday on the move bid? Uh, I think I'm not trading him if I'm New Orleans, uh, especially with him having a couple more years on his contract allows him to continue to grow as a player and as a star alongside Zion Williamson, who now playing, now healthy. He may have missed like 13 shots. Or I think he was like 5 for 18 or something tonight. But he's still, aside from that, he's looked very good. He's looked like he's going to be the guy there. And I think that if you can put him alongside Drew Holiday, then you're in business. If you can make one of those big moves like you were suggesting, maybe. But I don't think the Nuggets would give up that much for him. I think with the Lakers, it would be kind of funny to see him get dealt with the Lakers or Kyle Kuzma and, and uh, a pick or two, though. Just seeing Kuzma back with uh, Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and everybody <laughs> yeah. would be pretty funny. But at the end of the day, if I'm New Orleans, I'm not trading him. Yeah, I agree with you. Plus, I think New Orleans, like after seeing them put Zion in there, I think he's completely changed the dynamic of their team. I mean, Brandon Ingram's popped off and become an all-star. I think New Orleans actually, like I went from thinking that their roster was pretty, like they look pretty down in the dumps, then now that they plug Zion in, I actually, like it's changed my whole perspective on this team. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, like what free agents are you going to get to go to New Orleans? I think, I mean, Drew Holiday, I mean, that year when the Blazers got swept by the Pelicans, he's playing at the top of his game. If I'm them, I absolutely have to keep holiday around but the next guy kind of said he's out there on the market is Andre Drummond and you know I don't really know 
if that any of these big time competing teams are going to be making a move for Drummond. It's more so going to have to be like a smaller team trade. I mean, maybe the Clippers, but I don't know if the Clippers can move the salary around for Drummond. I feel at the end of the day, Drummond's going to be a free agent here coming up soon. And I don't really know if any of these young teams are going to want to invest anything like that on Drummond. Do you see him getting moved? Uh, if the price is right, but at the same time with Drummond, like you said, he'd, he'd be a rental for whoever takes him. So I don't think that they would get that much in return for him. And all the, I don't really see a clear fit for him either. I mean, you mentioned the Clippers, but I just, I don't really see that happening, especially due to the money concerns, but I don't, I think he stays and not because he's, and not because there's a, he's a superstar like Drew Holiday or that, the team needs him but I just don't see a clear fit for him I think he's just going to end up staying or maybe getting flipped if they can get a good pick for him or get a good player or two for I just don't see it yeah and you know they keep rumoring that huge four-team deal between like the Warriors Hawks Timberwolves basically what I'm hearing is the Timberwolves absolutely want uh, D'Angelo Russell I don't really know if they're going to be able to get him all these teams are talking about Robert Covington like he is the best defensive player and he doesn't he shoots 90% from three-point range I quite frankly don't think that he's that kind of player but to be honest with you I think this is one of the weaker trade markets that I've really seen around the break I feel like there'll be a couple moves coming that we don't expect more so but I mean I think it'll be kind of like last year where we're a little let down by all the trades and every Thing. I will say this though. Have you been reading these rumors at all coming out about the Hawks this week? Uh, uh yeah, I have. I don't like what I'm hearing about John Collins. I do like what I'm hearing about Clint Capella, especially if we were able to make that move without breaking up any of the young core, moving Herder, Hunter, even Reddish. If we could hang on to everybody, I'm all for it. And the four team deal with the proposal that came out earlier trying to uh trying to remember specifically which pick went where but basically with capella to atlanta delo to minnesota let me find this real quick yeah um houston was getting robert covington and i think like a draft pick or two and then the warriors were basically just like acquiring picks and whatnot but to be completely honest with you as much as i hate to say it I'm actually for trading John Collins, and I'm going to tell you why. Look, at the end of the day, it's a guard-dominant league, and when that you have John Collins in there, John Collins provides no rim protection whatsoever. When he was when he had all those 20 and 12 months when he was averaging 20 and 12 last year, I was all for paying him the big bucks, but from what I've seen from him this year, I just don't know if I want to invest that kind of money in two big men because, I mean, the Hawks need a rim protector. I mean, that's our number one need right now. Our defense makes me want to gouge my eyes out with spoons watching that team try to play defense, but at the same time, you know, like... John Collins really isn't providing any of that, and I just don't really see the all-star level in him. I don't know if I want to come out here and keep paying him max contract after max contract. You know, I mean, I don't. I, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I I don't know about the whole max contract thing, but if you look at him right now, he's still only in his third year. He has an opportunity to continue to grow defensively like that, and he's going to be a. He's he was almost a 2010 guy last year. He is almost a 2010 guy this year. I think that in his, then the next few years, I think he can average 2010 over a three or four year span. I think he is going to be that kind of guy. He's not protecting the rim defensively as much. Uh, I know a lot of those rebounds are offensive rebounds that he's been getting. Uh, 
but I, I don't know. He's he's still a work in progress defensively, and I definitely just paused for a second because I thought that Skype went out again. This thing's sketching me out now. <laughs> um, he's definitely still a work in progress defensively, but if he's putting up 20 and 10 and he continues to come along defensively and show – and plus, it was a weird start of the season for him this year. He missed 25 mm-hmm. games due to that suspension. So it's taken him kind of a second to get back in stride, get everything going. But if he can uh, continue to build defensively and he can be a 2010 guy, I'm keeping him. Uh, We'll have to see, obviously, if Capella does come to Atlanta and John Collins stays here. We'll have to see how that offense works with those two big men being basically the second and third options on that team. We'll have to see. But as of right now, I'd pay John Collins. But I'm a little biased. He's been, as soon as we drafted him, he was instantly pretty much my favorite player. So, Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily want to get rid of John Collins, but sometimes you got you got to make the move that's not sexy, you know. Some, sometimes you got to make the move that you necessarily don't want to make, but you need to make for the betterment of the team. And at the end of the day, I think Trey needs another person who can make plays with the ball in their hand, who's kind of like a guard that can create their own shot. And I just don't really see all that from John Collins out of John Collins. But at the same time, if I'm the Hawks, I don't really want to rush to making something, making some sort of move here at the trade deadline. I hope the Hawks don't do anything except for maybe like some sort of small little trade. But um, back to kind of just general trade talk and everything, I think the best pieces out there, one of the best pieces out there is Gallinari. And honestly, I have kind of an interesting perspective on the Thunder. The Thunder right now are 30 and 20, and they could potentially slide in that fifth spot here in the East. The Thunder have acquired all these draft picks. I mean... Maybe they could, if if they don't want to move Gallinari, maybe they should sell off some of those future assets they have and get some players. I mean, it's not like realistically at the end of the day they're going to need these 10 draft picks they have, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, I think they should at least toy around with the idea of moving those picks. But at the same time, you mentioned they are above 500 right now. I do not, I do not like this team very much. I don't like what the roster at all. Uh Honestly, they've overachieved, though, so I could see them maybe trying to go and uh, hold on with what they've got now and try to make a run, but there's nobody big that would be a great fit for them on the trade market to trade those uh, if they wanted to trade those picks. I don't even know where they would go because they're not going to mortgage their future and trade their top picks for a star at this point, they're not good enough that they know that they wouldn't be able to pull that off. So I think they're kind of in a weird spot right now, kind of stuck in limbo where they maybe make a few moves this way. And they're the fifth or sixth best team in the conference, make a few moves the other way and they're out of the playoffs. So this is it. Honestly, it seems kind of like the Hawks a few years ago where they could like, yeah, we might be able to get into the playoffs, but they're not going to make any noise once they get there, but they don't really have assets to move and get good picks. So it's kind of, I don't even know. I don't know where they should go from here. Um, I, I still like the roster. I mean, I think that they just have so many assets. They might as well try to invest a couple or they might as well, you know, throw some of these assets towards, um, or you know, like throw some of these assets towards building more so for their future. Just because I think the Thunder have too many assets and they're stuck like an in between phase. Plus, I think they can build toward like get some win now pieces and keep some of these future assets. Because I mean, Gildas Alexander is still only going to get better. Schroeder's probably not there for the long term. Chris Paul probably isn't. Same thing with Gallinari, but I mean. 
Gilgis Alexander is a solid building block to start with, and they're going to keep having all these teams' first-round picks. So at the end of the day, if I'm the Thunder, I'm in a great spot no matter what. But um, the last player I wanted to talk about real quick here before we move to baseball that I think could possibly get traded and I think needs to get traded is Marcus Morris. You know, Marcus Morris can create his own shot. He can make a lot of plays. I think teams like the Rockets, the Lakers – um, maybe the Clippers, maybe even the Bucks. Honestly, like even the Bucks, like if the Bucks somehow had something they could get for Drew Holiday, if Drew Holiday was on the Bucks, whew, that'd be Ooh. nasty. But <laughs> I think Marcus Morris needs to get moved by the Knicks, and I think a lot of these teams have some stuff they can throw for him. I mean, what what do you think about Marcus Morris getting added to a contender? You think he adds value? I think he adds a little bit of value for a contender if you get him on the right team. Um, obviously, that team is not the New York Knicks. Um, but he's he's been around. He's been in the playoffs. He's battle tested. He's not going to be a superstar. He's not going to really push the needle that much. But he's going to be he's still going to be a nice role player for anybody. He'll still play solid defense, put up decent numbers. I don't think he's really going to be an impact player. But I do think he gets moved at the deadline, and I do think he can help out a contender. Yeah, you know, I hope for his sake that he ends up getting moved at the deadline so he can go help out, go help out a contender. Contending team can definitely use him greatly. Um, let's uh, let's keep things moving now, and let's move over here towards baseball. Obviously, the huge trade went on, so you want to go ahead and tell everybody the trade that went down and kind of what you think about it? Uh, yeah, I'll tell everybody what I know so far and then what's still coming in. But Mookie Betts has been traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers along with David Price. In return, they're getting Alex Verdugo, who's the one that's been long rumored to be the centerpiece of this deal. And also um, a prospect from the Twins because the Twins ended up being the third team in this deal and they have acquired Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers, who also then sent Jock Peterson to the Angels. So, a lot of movement here. Bets to the Dodgers, Price to the Dodgers, Peterson to the Angels, Maeda to the Twins, Bruce Dyer, Gratterall, throws 100 miles an hour out of the, uh, well, I guess he won't be coming out of the pen in, the, in Boston, but he throws, he's a 100-mile-an-hour guy, might start him in the pen, but definitely wants to be a starter. Speaking of guys who want to be a starter, that is the whole reason why Kenta Maeda was moved from the Dodgers. He told them at the start of the uh, offseason that he wanted to be a starter, and they did not want him to be one. So, see ya. Uh, still see, information still coming in. Appears to be significant money headed from the Red Sox to the Dodgers as well because Mookie Betts is owed $27 million next year, and David Price is owed 96 over the next three years. A lot of cash going a lot of different ways. None of this has been finalized yet, so some of these prospects and some of these dollar amounts are still up in the air, but big movement. Mookie Betts, David Price, Jock Peterson, Kenta Maeda, a lot of big names on the move right now. Oh, yeah. You know, my first thing that comes to thought here about this trade is the Dodgers can spend all this money and build this big old team, but you know what? They're probably still going to come up short in the biggest moment of the season. (laughs) World Series losers three times in four years would be pretty funny, I gotta admit. But yeah, um, there's nothing one thing worse I than the way say, they went out last year. But I mean, what do you think about the Angels? Do you think they're loading up here for a big season? I think they're loading up because I think they're not done. 
I actually had them listed as one of the winners of the offseason so far with uh, their Anthony Rendon, uh, obviously the big acquisition there. Jock Peterson's going to help out that lineup as well. But they went out and they bolstered their rotation a little bit, got some solid guys to be in the middle of the rotation to the back end of the rotation with Julio Tehran and Dylan Bundy. But I mentioned, I said they're not done. And the reason I believe they're not done is they just went out and got Jock Peterson, another outfielder to add to Mike Trout, Justin Upton, their number one prospect, Joe Adele, uh, who, Brian Goodwin. They've got a, they already have enough of an outfield. So having Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh, two of their top prospects, Adele, far and away their best one. But having both of these guys as outfield prospects while having a full outfield, I think one of those guys is going to be moved. They're going to try as hard as they can to hold on to Adele. But he's been rumored in talks with the Cleveland Indians from Mike Clevenger. And I think now the deal makes a little bit more sense. And if the Angels add Mike Clevenger to that rotation, who's also who will also be bolstered by a healthy Shohei Otani this year, the Angels could make some moves, and they could be really dangerous in the AL West. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I thought they were a really young team last year that were kind of lacking one or two more big bats around Trout, and that Pools contract really screwed him over. I know Pools said he was however old he was, but Pools definitely lied about his age, just like a certain someone from the Nationals might have done as well, but... You know, I really just feel like that this Angels team is making the right strides, and I want to see this Angels team be successful because I want to see Mike Trout get a chance to, you know, play in the playoffs and to make a name for himself in the playoffs because realistically, Mike Trout might be the most dominant player in his sport that, you know, doesn't get any love. And when you look at all these stats, all these, you know, just plain and simple stats and all the next-gen stats and all these computer-calculated analytical stats, Mike Trout is dominates every single one of them. Oh, yeah, you pull the analytics. Mike Trout dominates Major League Baseball at a rate that no other player dominates their league. Bleacher Report released that last year. They had all the numbers to back it up. They had Mike Trout was like 12% better than anyone else in the league or something like that. And the next closest, I think, was LeBron at 7 or 8%. But Mike Trout is the most dominant athlete in all of American professional sports right now, and nobody really cares. He hasn't had a chance to shine in October, hasn't had a chance to put himself up on the uh, that big screen like that, in the big games. Now's their chance. You've got Anthony Rendon added to that now. You've got Shohei Otani back and healthy, Justin Upton back and healthy, Anderson Simmons back healthy. Now's the time. I'm not saying you need to trade Joe Adele, but you do need to go get an ace, and I think Mike Clevenger is the perfect piece to complete this roster. Yeah, you know, I agree with you completely. Clevenger's a beast, and he's, I mean, he's a gr- absolutely great pitcher. So I think going out and Plus, making a move to get him would be absolutely just roster changing. I mean, Clevenger's shut down. He's one of the better pitchers in the league, probably top 15 guy in the league. So, you know, I, I agree know with you completely going out and getting him would change things. How do you think say. that all this uh, cheating between the Astros and Red Sox and will just impact baseball I in was, general this season? I was about to get to that. Back to Mike Clevenger. I don't think that he uh i don't know if you've heard all that he's had to say about the houston astros but he's hitting somebody this year 
So if he did get moved to the Angels, who will play the Astros numerous times in 2020, you can check in and probably watch Mike Clevenger start against the Astros four times, five times. That would be must-see television right there. Must-see TV for sure. But I think that this is just going to scare a lot of teams who were not necessarily going to the extent that the Astros and Red Sox went to. But I think a lot of teams that have been bending the rules a little bit are going to be a little more gun-shy now and a little more afraid to bend the rules like that. Um, I think the MLBPA did a great job, the Players Association, of protecting the players, guys like Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, guys like that that could have potentially gotten in trouble for this and didn't. Uh, MLBPA did a great job of protecting their guys. But I'm a little I'm a little surprised that the Yankees haven't felt a little bit more of this impact. Um, the reason for that being when the report first dropped in, I believe, November, when they first, uh, Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal dropped these allegations, I... It seemed to me like Carlos Beltran was the guy that kind of brought it from New York to Houston. They said that it was Alex Cora along with a veteran player on the team who had learned it from a previous organization. And Carlos Beltran had just come back to Houston. Uh, also today, well, now it's, started, now it's starting to be disputed because Boston media and New York media are arguing about stuff. But the Boston Globe reported a while back, actually, a quote from Chris Young, who allegedly brought the whole Apple Watch scandal to Boston, saying he learned that in New York and brought it to Boston with him. Now, that's two players, allegedly, with ties to New York who would have brought it straight from New York to their respective organization. And the Yankees are getting off scot-free right now. Uh, there's not nearly enough evidence in comparison to what the Red Sox and Astros had. The Astros had just hours of footage, like numerous interviews in that investigation. But it seems like the Yankees might be might be in for something. And if not, they just had the greatest offseason of all time because they brought in Garrett Cole, arguably the best pitcher in baseball right now, they watched as their arch-rival Red Sox got completely destroyed. Alex Cora lost his job over the cheating scandal. Mookie Betts was then traded. And the Houston Astros, their chief competition in the American League, oh yeah, their GM and manager are now gone, and you just stole Garrett Cole from them. So that is a huge shift in the American League that puts the Yankees directly at the top, I think. The Twins will challenge them, I'm sure, but I've, the Yankees have beaten the Twins, like, I think 18 times in a row in the playoffs. I think the Twins are 0-18 in their last 18 games. Something like that. Something ridiculous. So the Yankees are completely on top of the league right now, and it's starting to seem like one of those too-good-to-be-true scenarios because even the Mets got screwed with that cheating. Carlos Beltran lost his job, so the Yankees can look across town and laugh. So right now, I'd be a little, I'd be a little afraid. I wouldn't get too excited yet because it seems like the calm before the storm in New York right now. But if they did get away with it, best off season 
in MLB history. Yeah, no, I mean, this offseason's been wild. I mean, just all those reports and everything actually coming out. I mean, A.J. Hinch getting fired, the GM getting fired. I mean, everybody getting fired. I mean, I hate it for the game of baseball. It kind of makes it lose a lot of integrity to me and loses a lot of fun to me of watching baseball and just being a fan of the sport and everything. But I'm glad that they caught on to everything. I'm glad that all that's out of it and these teams are going to be a lot more, you know, sit and be a lot more reserved in everything that they do and whatnot. And Honestly, the big thing that I really wanted to talk about, though, from all of this baseball moves and everything was Josh Donaldson not resigning for the Braves. I mean, what do you think happened there, Bid? Uh, yeah, still still hurts, but, I mean, he gave the Braves every opportunity to sign him, which some Twins fans are not happy to be reminded, but that is what happened, and he straight up said that that's what happened. Uh, it seems like the Braves were willing to – go four years uh they were never going to give him an option for a fifth year but it sounds like they really lowballed him on the fourth year like the dollar amount was just nowhere near what the twins was which surprised me a little bit i thought that i could see alex anthopoulos handing him a four-year contract like four years from 92 is basically his guaranteed money if you include the uh, buyout that he has for his fifth year option from minnesota I thought that we would have at least matched that. And I think if we match that, that's the same guaranteed money. I think he takes that over the option in Minnesota. We didn't do that. Clearly, Alex Anthopoulos has other plans. Um, so, I, I, you know, I wish J.D. the best. He was great to have in Atlanta. He had a great year, great fit in the clubhouse. Would have been great to have a few more years, but it is what it is. It's a business. Look, I'm not going to lie, actually. This move really made me mad that we didn't re-sign him, and the Braves just need to be stop being so cheap. Look, baseball is a non-salary cap sport, and it's the one sport where you can really just go out there and spend however much money you need to be successful. Look, I'm not arguing that it is the only way to be successful. I'm just saying that it is one way to be, and... I think the Braves should have spent more money this offseason. I mean, I think Ozuna can be a decent piece in everything. Like, when he's healthy, I mean, he's guys going to hit probably 270, hit 30, 40 home runs. So, I mean, that's great production and everything. But, I don't know, it just kind of pisses me off with the Braves. I feel like that we're just okay with losing in the first round of the playoffs, and we're just happy to get there, which I'm not okay with. You know, I've watched the Braves lose in the first round pretty much every single year that I've been a fan of the Braves, and I'm just sick and tired of it. I'm just pissed off. I'm honestly just, like, not even as excited for the season as I was before. Uh, you will be. Uh, the Braves did still spend $100 million this offseason, even if they didn't get their uh, their number one target. Still spent $100 million, and they're still not done. And I think that's one thing that Alex Anthopoulos touched on a uh, chop fest about a week or two ago was uh, the CEO of the Braves, Terry McGurk, apparently went to Alex Anthopoulos and said, I like what you're doing. Keep it up. We'll, we'll let you do it. Basically giving them the reins and saying, however much money you want to spend, if it makes us better, go for it. So I don't think he's done. I think he might wait until the deadline to address third base if he needs to. Although the Mookie move definitely sets up uh, sets up a little bit of a uh, little bit of an interesting scenario here because 
things might fly off the rails with the teams that are trying to catch up to the Dodgers. That Mookie Betts move puts the Dodgers at the top of the National League. The Braves, Nats, and to a lesser extent, Reds, Cardinals, Phillies, Mets, and Cubs, and Padres are still sitting there looking up. Uh, there are still three superstars available, and I had this written in my notes before Mookie was traded. Still other superstars available that these teams might look into now. There is kind of an off-the-rails scenario where the National League sort of turns into a superstar arms race. And the first domino there would be Mookie play, which has now happened. And other than that, Nolan Arenado and Chris Bryant are both on the market. Who are the top two contenders for the Dodgers right now? Braves and Nationals both still need a third baseman. Chris Bryant, Nolan Arenado are out there. So let's just let's look at this scenario real quick if a real arms race does start in the National League real quick. Mookie Betts to L.A., which would then prompt the Braves to turn around and go get Nolan Arenado from Colorado. Braves bolster their team. Now the Nats are getting even more afraid. They go get Chris Bryant from uh, the Chicago Cubs. Now there's blood in the water in NL Central. The Cincinnati Reds, who are already much improved, but right now look, are looking at starting the season with a shortstop with a career on base percentage below 300, could then pivot and go get Francisco Lindor from across the river in Cleveland. And if this happens, then the National League has just been completely flipped upside down. So I don't want to say I'm rooting for all this to happen because it, it's almost bad for baseball to see that many star, superstars get moved at the same time. But as a Braves fan, I'm here for it. Yeah, well, you know, I'd love chaos. to see the National League turn into an arms race, and I would still love to see the Braves go out and get Arenado. Bryant, I mean, I still think Bryant can play some better baseball if he gets out of Chicago, but I'm not sure exactly that I just want to go out and get him. I would definitely love to see Arenado come to the Braves, but, you know, but I'm hoping you're right, man. The Braves come out here and make some more moves and everything and uh, bolster up the team, but um, any other big-time baseball moves or anything or off-season stuff you want to talk about? Uh, we'll go back to Chris Bryant for a second. Um, he, one thing that scares me there is I was listening, uh, to Mike Petrelio, MLB.com talking about this. His hard hit rate has gone down every year. This last year on the surface, his numbers were great, but he was in the 25th percentile, I believe for hard hit rate. 75% of the league hits the ball harder than this guy now. And he is not a very good defensive third baseman. Now, is he still an upgrade at third base for the Braves over Austin Riley? Right now, I would say yes, but I don't know. And that's why I think Alex Anthopoulos will probably wait until the trade deadline to address third base. He's going to give Riley and Camargo a shot. I think he wants to better understand what kind of player he has with Austin Riley before he turns around and sends him to Chicago for Chris Bryant. Because if, he send, if they make that trade right now, and Chris Bryant does crash down to earth a little bit, and Austin Riley reaches his full potential, Atlanta, Truist Park would get burned to the ground. People would be absolutely furious over that move because everybody loved Austin Riley when he first came up. He seems to have fallen out of favor with the fans a little bit now. You, you, know how, you know how it gets when you 
get bounced in the first round again. The fans start to get a little restless. So, I don't know. I, I think Alex Anthopoulos is smart to not really listen to the fans. It's worked so far. People coming in last year saying that we hadn't done enough and he still won the division. Should have gotten out of the first round last last year. We'll talk about that real quick. Everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong. 99 times out of 100, the Braves win that series. Chris Martin doesn't strain his oblique when he's about to come in. And That's then what I blame it all Luke on Luke right Jackson there. to come warm up during the game, come onto the field to warm up. He wasn't ready. Of course he was going to get knocked around that night. Anybody would have. Melanson comes in after him. He's not ready either. So that all goes back to that injury with Chris Martin. Freddie Freeman's elbow was so bad that the doctors said, I don't know how you were even able to play. Not you shouldn't have been playing. Not it's going to be hard to play through that. But how the hell did you even swing a bat like that? Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And you look at the problems with runners in scoring position game four, game five, and also the fact that uh, we won game two with me down the line, and then we sent Morgan back down the line game five, the guy that was down there game one when we lost, and then we lost game five, and I told him it was all his fault because it is his fault. But everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And that's not going to happen again this year. Braves are a better team than the St. Louis Cardinals. The Braves were a much better team than the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, this year, all the young guys have a little bit more experience. Freddie Freeman's back healthy. Uh, I think for the Braves, it'll be more, if there's more movement, I think a lot of it'll be at the deadline. Unless, uh, like we mentioned, Mike Clevenger earlier, if he is indeed on the trade block and the Angels will not part with Joe Adele for him, then I could see the Braves coming in and offering Christian Pache or Drew Waters as a replacement for Adele for the Indians. Um, but again, I, it's there's just so much in the air right now with Arnado and Bryant. I think that it's going to – I think it's probably going to wait until the deadline. But if one of those three guys, Brian Arnado and Lindor, gets moved now, it's going to be really, really hard for Alex Anthopoulos to not make a move. Because he knows that if Austin Riley and Johan Camargo stumble out of the gate, I wouldn't say he's going to be on the hot seat. I don't think he's going to lose his job. But it's going to be – it's going to get a little uncomfortable up there. Yeah, you know, I I agree with you completely. I mean, it's a long off season, man. I'm just ready to go ahead and get some baseball going. Obviously, we got a basketball in full swing right now, which I'm loving, but – um, any last things you want to talk about before we get on up out of here, Ben? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, let me make sure. Yeah, I think that's everything. Sounds good. Well, let's go ahead and get on up out of here. Um, Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again, man. All right. Appreciate you having me on. No problem. And we appreciate everyone who tuned in once again. And we will get... When we get closer to the MLB season, me and Bid will do a little MLB season preview, so be on the lookout for that. But once again, we appreciate all y'all tuning in, and peace.